from the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Coalfield and Company. Coalfield and Company on your Wednesday afternoon as the biggest story in Las Vegas, maybe the biggest story in national sports news continues to unfold. We have all of your Raiders coverage today. Uh, Mike Mayock, the general manager, Rich Bisaccia, the interim coach, Derek Carr, Darren Waller. Players are all in front of the media today. They are the ones left to answer the questions that John Gruden is not here to answer. And they're the ones left by their owner, Mark Davis, to answer the questions that he will not. Told Paul Gutierrez of ESPN earlier today, did Mark Davis, that he has no comment. We should ask the NFL. They have the answers. Okay. We are asking Mike Mayock. We are asking the coaches and the players because those are the ones that we have the option to ask. So what did they have to say today? We're going to get to all of that throughout the show. Uh, we also have an impressive guest list today. Good job, Ari. Former Raider punter Marquette King. You probably remember the name from before the Raiders got to Las Vegas, who was cut by John Gruden after having one of the better seasons of his career, being one of the better punters in the league. And we all kind of wondered, what's going on here? Why is Marquette King out? Uh, he's going to share some thoughts that... He has about that with us. That's coming up in just a couple of hours. Stay with us until then. But right now, it's trending at three. It's trending at three. Presented by Nova Home Loans. Call now at 877-700-NOVA. All right. Mike Mayock was in front of the media today. Adam Hill was at the Raiders facility he is going to join us in just a few minutes as they're still wrapping up the interviews in Henderson and Adam is on the clock for the RJ and taking care of business there. And we're going to find out more from Adam here in just a few minutes about what he's heard. It has been a wild day over at the Raiders facility, starting with Mike Mayock, starting with the Raiders general manager being the one to take the first questions from the media since the resignation of John Gruden on Monday. Of course, nobody from the organization spoke yesterday. Mike Mayock was forthright. Mike Mayock uh, was candid with the media. Uh, he had a lot of questions to answer, not just about how our players feeling right now, um, but what did the organization know before John Gruden took the field to coach the Raiders on Sunday? It's one of the biggest questions that's still hanging out there right now, isn't it? What did Mark Davis know? What did the Raiders organization beyond Mark Davis know? Because John Gruden certainly had an avalanche waiting to fall on him. And so Mike Mayock got in front of reporters today and they had to answer a really difficult question about, are we doing the right thing here? Are the Raiders doing the right thing by their organization? Are they doing the right thing by their players, by the rest of the league. Uh, Mike Mayock took that question at the top. <laughs> uh, 
interesting question. I mean, I, I probably have had texts or phone calls from at least half the GMs in the league. And the in intriguing thing is what their advice has been is trust your gut, do the right thing, I know you will. Uh, I think that's great advice. <laughs> it's kind of what my dad told me. Uh, not, not, not about this. I'm talking about it, the job in general. Um, so it's week six, and really what we need to do, and I, I hate to make this sound brusque in any way, but I know the human interest element here. I understand all the concerns from all the different constituencies. I get it. But at the end of the day, our jobs are to win football games, and we got to get our focus back there. And that might sound cold, and it might sound calculating. But at the end of the day, that's our job. And I think what's cool about our players is they're able to compartmentalize a little bit. And I think most of them are saying, hey, we're all in. We got a big frigging game this weekend, and we got to go win it. No, Meg Mayock, that's not cold. And that's not calculating. It's week seven of the NFL season. The Raiders are a three and two team. I should say week six. It's all been gone on so long that I can't do math anymore. Not like I ever really could. The Raiders are three and two, and they're in the playoff hunt. They're going to Denver to face a three and two Denver team that shares second place in the AFC West with the Chiefs somehow at the bottom. The Raiders have a job to do, and that's exactly right. And no, we can't pull the emotion out of this. The Raiders locker room is feeling a lot of emotion right now. That became clear from what Mike Mayock discussed today. Um, there's a lot more coming from Mike Mayock later in the show. Uh, Derek Carr spoke to the media. He had some very poignant things to say about his job and what he still has to do to lead this team. Darren Waller talked as he's become one of the leaders of this team. Rich Passaccia, look at the position that Rich Passaccia is in. As the first person that John Gruden hired when he came to the Las Vegas Raiders on his coaching staff, who's now left to manage the fallout from Gruden, the lack of leadership from Mark Davis, and all of the players who Mike Mayock said earlier today, the emotions range across the gamut from total condemnation to full support of John Gruden. One player who we have to wonder exactly where he falls on that spectrum, and he would certainly have all the reason in the world to have any reaction that he wants, given what he's gone through publicly in the last few months, is Carl Nassib. And after he came out as the first openly gay player in the NFL, now he hears what the words are that his coach who publicly supported him used? What was the F word that he used to call Roger Goodell, the NFL commissioner? What's the stuff he just used casually behind the back of his players in conversations? How much did he believe that versus the statement that he gave when Carl Nassib came out as gay, the first NFL player to do so? Well, Carl Nassib took a personal day today, and good on him. Carl Nassib's had a great season thus far. And Mike Mayock gave him that time off to reflect and to get his thoughts together and to make sure that he's ready to go this weekend. That's not cold or calculating, Mike Mayock. You're right. That is taking the well-being of your people and putting it first. And that's what leadership looks like, uh, not what we're getting from the void at the top from Mark Davis. Uh, Mark Davis talking about the NFL today, saying that they have the answers. Talk to them. 
Stop whining. Stop complaining. It's your organization. It's your father's legacy. You're the one who can deal with this or leave other people to try to pick up your mess. And right now, that's what's happening. Other people are picking up Mark Davis's mess because he's in his feelings. It's the same NFL, the same owners around the league that helped Mark Davis get out of Oakland and get a brand new stadium in Las Vegas. It's the same NFL. It's the same Roger Goodell that supported the Raiders organization all the way to Las Vegas. So if you want to blame him, blame him. In the meantime, your coaches, your players, your general manager are all out there answering the questions that you should be answering. That's what the Raiders are dealing with off the field right now, and that's what their players are going to be stuck with for the next few days if we don't hear more from the top of the food chain with the Raiders. Nova Home Loans brings you Trending at 3. It's a refi rate at Nova Home Loans. With interest rates at all-time lows, now's the time to talk to your local Nova loan officer. 877-700-NOVA. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to lay down the law. Only on Cofield and Company. It's all company this afternoon. Adam Candy joined shortly by Adam Hill. Ari is in the Finley Toyota Studios. And as we do every Wednesday, our friend Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers joins us here on CNC 5709000570900004 Battleborn uh, Justin sometimes when we have you on we're kind of digging through the news and trying to find some topics and thinking uh, well we'll stretch it out a little bit maybe it won't be totally sports related etc cetera, etc cetera. um this is not one of those weeks uh, no. there, is, there is plenty Plenty to discuss, so I guess I'll start way up on the uh, the ten thousand foot level and say, you know, what were you doing when you heard the Gruden news? What were your first uh, reactions to John Gruden uh, resigning? Yeah, so it was interesting um, because I was I was on my annual hunting trip and I was nowhere near cell phone reception until I got home late Sunday late Sunday night, didn't have any reception, had no idea about the little trickling out of the email uh, about DeMora Smith on Friday, the circumstances in which the Raiders were playing the game against the Bears. And as I kind of, you know, came up in, on Monday and got back into the swing of things, I all of a sudden hear the news that Gruden's resigned. I didn't know anything about any of it and got all of it in, in – sort of drinking from a fire hose on all the emails, everything that was said all at once. Um, and it, it, I was surprised uh, at what the, the volume that we were talking about. Um, and then as I sort of was looking at things in hindsight, I was, I was a little bit surprised that he had been permitted to coach on Sunday. <laughs> I'm with you. We talked about it Friday on the show and said it would be shocking, even in the light of the one email, if John Gruden made Mm -hmm. it to the sidelines on Sunday. But uh, that was the choice that the organization made. Um, 
you know, the, the question that I'm sure everyone is asking secondary to, you know, what went on with the actual content of those emails is the difference between John Gruden resigning and then Mark Davis attempting to fire him and the question of whether there could be some sort of settlement behind the scenes on the contract because there obviously were many, many dollars, the better part of $70 million still left on John Gruden's 10-year deal. Um, what do you think could have gone on there? What do you think might have been worked out? Really, what could the options be for John da uh, John Gruden and Mark Davis to figure out how to settle the contract piece? I imagine that it's it's been worked out. Uh, I if he submitted his resignation, if there was going to be any sort of negotiation on it, that would have been done. Otherwise, I suspect that Gruden would have made Davis fire him. Um, now, the difference legally may be nothing, depending on what's in the terms of the contract. Obviously, Mark Davis would argue uh, that there is cause for the firing, and therefore it voids any additional financial obligations uh, owed to Gruden. But I think Gruden would have a pretty decent argument flying back the other way to say none of the things that were that were brought to light had anything to do with my tenure with the Raiders. This all existed prior to my hiring. And if it was material to you, what I said in personal emails to friends and colleagues you should have asked about it when you hired me and you never did. And so this isn't cause my, my behavior has not changed. Um, and therefore you owe me the 70 million. That's what I'm but really the fact that he resigned yeah. tells me they worked it out. So Justin, that's what I'm really curious about here because the average one of us going and applying for a job is put through some level of background check, whether that's just being run through a criminal database or, or, you know, any level beyond that based on what the position is. I mean, what sort of background check are we talking about before giving out a hundred million dollar contracts? Uh, and, you know, is that something that because it just happens sort of unilaterally with Mark Davis getting a handshake with John Gruden, that maybe it's, uh, you know, less than what the standard might be elsewhere? Oh, I'm, let let's be clear. These background nothing's gonna gonna come out in a background check as we typically understand them on Gruden. Even today, if there was a background check done on Gruden, he hasn't done anything criminal, right? He doesn't have any any big judgments out there against him for any civil wrongs. None of that's gonna show up, right? Now you might get a private investigator on your side to look into the background of somebody, and but what are they gonna do, right? They're gonna ask people who have interacted with them you know, kind of what they think to the extent that those people are even willing to participate in an interview, which case most people aren't because they don't want to be sued for defamation. So the, the whole idea of a background check is, is kind of a, um, a misnomer. We can't really get down to the nuts and bolts of it, but what they could put in a contract. And I would suspect that you'll see this moving forward in contracts and maybe it was in this contract. And I, you know, I obviously haven't seen the contract. It's not a public record, but if in the contract, it says by signing this contract, you verify that you have not made any racist, homophobic or other derogatory comments towards any protected classes of people that would, um, if come to light would, uh, appear, uh, put, put the Raiders in a, in a bad light. 
then he's made a guarantee and that if he if such actions come to light that the contract can be voided then then absolutely the, the Raiders would be protected and in this day and age if you're willing to throw out a hundred million dollars to somebody you should put those protections in there and, and like I said maybe it had it um, and, and and ultimately that's you know I hear a lot of people are on polar opposites on on whether or not Gruden's been a victim of cancel culture or whether or not this is you know, the empowerment of players' rights and being protected from these kinds of statements. And ultimately, at the end of the day, for me, uh, you don't get the benefit of having a national dominating brand that gets you paid $100 million for a 10-year contract and not accept the idea that you have to be politically correct and be the public face of a franchise and that stuff like this is incredibly important to your job to not have these things in your past and to certainly not continue them on. And so uh, I, I don't see how Mark Davis had any choice in, the, in this instance to do anything but force his resignation or, or terminate him. Justin Watkins, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000, our legal insider joining us on Cofield & Company. Um, there's been a lot of sort of loose talk from folks you know, like me who don't know um, of the idea of a morality clause, that there could be some sort of morality issue uh, within a contract. And I'm not saying we know that that's part of John Gruden's or anybody else's in, in the NFL's uh, contract, but maybe you could tell us a little bit more about if there were such a thing, what it would take to actually invoke that. Oh, I'm sure there is a morality clause in this contract. It would be crazy not to have it, but the morality clause would be different than what we're in what we're dealing with here because the morality clause would be that you're not going to do anything immoral at uh, when while performing this contract so it's prospective it's taking from the moment you're hired and moving on through the 10 years of the contract it's not looking retrospective to the acts that you have committed before and it's it's i haven't seen that it's not typical in contracts to make sort of a verification that you've never done these acts before, but I think it makes a whole heck of a lot of sense to do so. Um, and if they weren't already in these contracts, I have to imagine they're written in now where, you know, by accepting the position, you were swearing that you haven't done anything like this. Justin, here's, the hard part for me with the perspective thing when it comes to Gruden as the coach of the Raiders from the day that the the first story came out until whenever he had to leave and it's that you've you've discovered something that so severely impacts his ability to to do the job that he was hired to do and I guess that's the part that's hard to square when you're you know when you're dealing with from outside the laws I think a lot of people say well yeah I mean obviously how could the guy go forward right how could he continue to do the job but it sounds like that's not something that Mark Davis legally could have been able to uh to to enforce on John Gruden oh I think he could have but what I'm getting at is that it wouldn't have been a slam dunk. It wouldn't have been uh, a sure thing that if Gruden sued, he wouldn't have got hit unless he had something, a verification of some sort from Gruden upon the signing of the contract 
that he promised he hadn't done anything like this prior to accepting the job. That's the only way you could do it because typically the default or the for cause conditions for terminating employment or a contract have to do with your actions during the contract time, during the employment. And this is not that, right? So if you're going outside of the actions undertaken during the contract performance, you've got to bring it forward by creating that, that verification, that, um, that condition for initial employment by saying, we are hiring you in part because you promised us you have not done this before. And therefore, it becomes part of the actions under the contract. So could he have said for cause without that verification and said, it, you've made it impossible for, uh, for you to continue on as coach? And he said, his response is, I didn't make anything impossible. I sent private emails to friends and colleagues, and somebody has done something wrong to release those to the public, and that's got nothing to do with me. My actions as the Raiders head coach are fully within the guidelines and the four corners of the contract, and therefore you should have to pay me. And I think if those were the two arguments outside of a verification being in the contract, I think a judge would entertain both of those arguments. I think it would have been fascinating to see. Obviously, we uh, we never will. And uh, John Gruden, Mark Davis, not the only major story going on right now in the Las Vegas and the national sports scene. Justin Watkins, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, joining us. And uh, we will stick with Justin here in just a moment. Call Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. It's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on Cofield and Company. Cofield Company on a Wednesday. Adam Candy in for Steve Cofield. Adam Hill joins us shortly. Uh, make sure you're here with us in just a little while. 5.30. We're going to have former Raiders punter Marquette King, who was let go from the organization when John Gruden first got there to replace Jack Del Rio. Uh, that's coming up at 5.30, so be here with us for that. Justin Watkins here with us now on Coalfield & Company, and um, it's it's all been heavy this week, Justin. It's all been big and heavy, and understandably so, with dealing with one of the biggest stories that's ever happened in, in the sports scene here locally, but uh, we did have a pretty nice little ray of light last night with the Golden Knights getting back underway season opening win 4-3 over the Seattle Kraken were you out there did you get to take it in oh yeah I was there opening night like I am every year and uh I have to say uh like uh, there was way more Seattle fans than I had anticipated um I didn't even actually realize it until they scored their first goal and, the, and there was some cheering um and so I <laughs> that's when I first became aware that they were there and they got progressively louder with each goal um, and I, from my perspective, the Knights fans were a little subdued um, it, from what I'm accustomed to on opening night. But uh, I thought the top two lines played well. And and overall, it was, uh, you know, it's always good to get a win. You think everybody's still sleepwalking a little bit? Not quite into in hockey season yet? Uh, well, 
I'm I'm guilty of it as well. I'm not as loud <laughs> as I was, and, and and part of it is I've gone to every, almost every single playoff game I could go to. You know, I went and traveled to Denver for games there. I came here um, for games, and um, you know, the playoff hockey is so intense and requires so much energy that uh, you know the kind of regular season. Not that it's not awesome. Not that I don't want to be there. I do want to be there, and I and I do think it's fun. Uh, I, I just recognize the intensity difference in the play, and then. And, and, you know, as we get more educated as fans, we'll probably, um, you know, regress to the mean, I, I guess, as, as to uh, the, the vibe in the arena. It's a good thing that our, our mean as VGK fans out there is uh, pretty high, pretty high. And we'll get, uh, yes. get on back to that. Uh, fashion advice I always need. Um, are the Seattle Kraken jerseys the best in the league? Oh, I don't think so. I, I love the logo. I like the color scheme. Um, I like the secondary logo of the anchor. But when I saw them in person, uh, the second the, the lighter colored blue, the teal, uh-huh. yeah, I did not think looked great in person. Yeah. So so apparently the Seattle Kraken have like the internet dating of hockey sweaters where yeah looks great in the pictures and then you show up and you're like oh wait a second wait a second i don't think those pictures were uh were date stamped uh, I, i'm gonna have to take another <laughs> look right. at this um it's just in uh you gotta inject a little levity in all of this because it's just been uh, it's been that kind of week uh when it comes to the las vegas sports scene and you know with this John Gruden email trove, as we know, comes out of a much larger investigation that has nothing to do with the Raiders. It comes from the Washington football team, and it comes from Daniel Snyder and the workplace culture problems uh, with the Washington football team. And, of course, the Gruden emails were just a handful of what we've heard are 650,000 emails that the NFLPA is petitioning to get, that uh, some of the uh, some of the attorneys for those who are suing the Washington football team are trying to get. Uh, what do you think of the chances that we ever see any of the rest of these hundreds of thousands of emails? I think that there is a chance. Um, and the argument that the NFL PA is going to make is based on just the few that we've seen that the NFL leaked in regards to John Gruden, we have a player safety issue. That's going to be the argument that we may have people who are bigoted and biased against people of color, against uh, people uh, based on sexual preference. Uh, and it is incumbent upon the PA to protect the players from unfair bias in their workplace. And clearly, the NFL um, had to have been the source of the leak or somebody who's working for the NFL, the source of the leak. And so their argument that this should all be protected is somewhat lost since it already got out. And um, so I, I think there's a decent chance the NFLPA is, is going to get a chance to see these. Wow. And, and I mean, it, it feels like we almost have no idea just how much might come out of this when when you think about how many other subjects could be touched uh, whether it's 
the, the commissioner's office, Ray Rice, I mean, Colin Kaepernick. I mean, you name name whatever you want that's happened over the over the NFL. Um, you know, over the last decade plus, no, it it feels like God only knows what we might see. None of this is the biggest. None of those things you listed is the biggest. The to me, the biggest one is the sending of topless photos of the cheerleaders against their permission and knowledge. That's huge. That's big. Um, I think you're going to see claims based on that. That's a, that's a, that's a major, major legal issue, especially in today's culture. Uh, and rightfully so. And so as I understand it, while they were a part of that photo shoot, they understood that that was never going to be made public. Uh, and then for those photos to be shared outside of the organization, um, I think is a big deal. I guess I'm just jaded by you know hearing stories of uh, whether it's you know revenge porn kind of stories that you know happen in interpersonal relationships. Obviously, that's not talking about an employer. I get the the, the major distinction to to be made there. Um, what when it, legally speaking. And I'm not trying to downplay it in any way. I'm trying to understand what would be the uh, what would be the claim that would be had there. What would what would be uh, the the cheerleaders' claim? Well, uh, I'm not sure in D.C. where this and well, across state lines. So federally, you have an invasion of privacy civil action, which is disclosing private facts to others that you know that that person would expect to be private that does damage to that person. And so I would argue if I were their lawyer, not only was it an invasion of privacy, but in theory, if my client and one of the cheerleaders has a career in modeling or acting or, you know, any entertainment venue that by putting out, putting out these photos that were expected to be private, they have, harmed my client's chances of economic development and so yeah i think it's i think it's a big deal um and i if i dug into more of who exactly took the photos what permission was requested and how it was garnered for taking the photos in the initial instance you could have copyright issues you could have name image and likeness infringement issues but to be honest i don't know the particulars of how that permission was granted and the circumstances of those select photos. Um, so uh, it could get much bigger. But it, obviously, if you've got uh, an employer of a National Football League team committing copyright and name image likeness infringement, each instance, each email and each photo in each email is an infringing act that is uh, liable for damages. So it could be it becomes massive if if that if those emails were sent to lots of different people. Wow. Wow. I mean, because you have to think minimum hundreds, if not thousands of uh, of claims there. That is uh, that is a fascinating piece of this Washington football team investigation to watch. Uh, we'd love to continue on with it. Justin, uh, we'll have to pick it up next week here on Cofield and Company with our legal insider, Justin Watkins, Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000, Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Justin, thanks, man. We appreciate the time. All right. Thanks, guys.
Brian Blessing from the Vegas Hockey Hotline is going to join us in just a minute. He's got some thoughts about the Vegas Golden Knights opening win over the Seattle Kraken, as well as maybe we'll talk a little bit of hockey betting as the season's getting underway in earnest here tonight. Go Field Company. Call Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 702-570-9000 with your questions today. Stone comes ahead, back and forth with Pacioretty. Now Stevenson kicks it in, it will count. Vegas back in the lead, on cue, four to three nights. The answer is yes. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Dan Duva on the Vegas Golden Knights Radio Network. Of course, you can hear all of that coverage over on our sister station, on Fox Sports Radio, Adam Candy here on Cofield and Company, joined shortly by Adam Hill. Ari back at the Finley Toyota Studios. I I know my hockey rules fairly well, but I got a pretty solid education last night on the difference between angling a skate and kicking a puck. Um, that was Chandler Stevenson's goal that you heard there that was the game-deciding goal in the 4-3 victory for the Vegas Golden Knights over the Seattle Kraken the season opener. Brian Blessing talks everything hockey uh, here in Las Vegas and beyond, sports grid, so on. Uh, Brian, welcome, right. sir. I need you, well, Adam. Then I need you. Hi, buddy. I need you to explain this to me then. Uh, if, if you got an explanation that you're cool with, fine. I know 90% of the goals that are disallowed with a kicking motion are off the inside of a skate. Now, it's one thing for a redirect if a guy is coming in and doing the swishing motion to stop and it hits his skate and goes in. But in this one instance, and I know it's bang, bang, but in slow motion, without doubt, even though it's off the outside of Stevenson's skate, his leg, he turns his foot and the boot comes forward right towards the net now the explanation you got and the one i just gave which one's right i think vegas got a big break i think brian that was one of those calls where if on the ice it had been disallowed i bet you it doesn't get turned over on replay either i agree uh, like, yeah I, I, like the Vegas golden knights got the break they win the game uh four to three and before we get too deep into the game i you were saying something before we came on that i think a lot of us can relate to um I've had this experience more than once. In fact, while I've been sitting in the same chair mm -hmm. in which I am doing this show right now, um, we got to fix these apps and their location telling <laughs> us that we're outside Nevada, <laughs> but we're trying to get our action down. This is silly. Well, keep talking because I'm trying to hit the button as we speak. Get your get yours in and I'll keep talking about it. Wait a minute. Boom. I'm in. I'm in. Uh, you know, the first five wagers is like, the first five, five times I tried to get it was hockey I was putting in for tonight. It's like, yeah, sorry, you're not in Nevada. I'm like, the hell I'm not. How'd you manage to, how'd you manage to do I that, had a, Ryan? I had to how'd go you out, manage to get I, into I, Nevada that quick? It's amazing. I will tell you, though, these GPS things are the scariest doggone thing. One day we bunch of us we went down to a prim with state line we played golf and you know we're driving back and the game's about to go it's the last second it's like come on i'm, I'm, I'm like a, a quarter of a mile from the the border you know passing prim and hit the button because nope you're not in nevada i swear to god you're three feet by the border you hit the button it's like bam it's in i mean these phones are scary i mean other than like this one telling me i'm not where i am but they do know where you are my favorite is when i'm trying to do in play 
Right? I'm trying to get something done oh. to play, and I'm like, well, okay, you know. The, the first time you give me that, it's over. I'm not getting my number at that point. So, Well, in the beginning, when the, when the apps first came out, and it was like, okay, this is great, and the in-play wagering, and you'd sit there, and you'd, okay, it's halftime. Uh, hey, you know what? I'm going to hook these... I'm going to hook these three games together. So you put something down, something down, something, and you hit the button, and then the thing goes, one of the lines has moved. And you'd have to go out and put all three back in. And, like, I mean, now they've got the, a line has changed. Do you accept the line change? It was like, yes. So they've streamlined that process. The the things constantly get better, but there are days it's just frustrating. It's like anything. It's technology. It's like a Price is Right game. Yeah, go back out and change the number, then come back in and see if it's the right one. At least, you're right. You're right. You're right. It is getting Door number two. To, yeah, door. There you go. Behind door number two, hopefully, is not uh, way more juice than a worse number. All right. <laughs> we, can, we, can, we can talk about that all day, but uh, the Vegas Golden Knights and the Seattle Kraken, probably the more interesting story for uh, the majority of people out there. 4-3, the final. Um, strange how it got there, of course. Uh, Golden Knights looked like they were in complete control going up 3 nothing, and then bang, 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 crack and tie the game, and the VGK gets the goal late. Uh, what's your overall impression of what you saw last night from the Golden Knights? Oh, I mean, you know, a lot of good and a lot of work to be done. And the one thing is their strength last year, by a mile all year long, their best period would be the second period with the long change. And Seattle kind of took it to them in the second period. But they had kind of taken their foot off the gas. I've seen those kind of periods before in home openers, too, where, you know, big first period and then the air kind of comes out of the building. And then they're up 3 nothing and took their foot off the gas a little bit. That being said, Seattle, the old eyeball test, they're big, they're fast. They actually look pretty good. And they're not going to be the Golden Knights. We know that was a miracle the first year here. But it's, it really just dawns on me as you're watching this last night. Ron Francis knows what he's doing. When you can sit there and pluck this guy and that guy and this guy, and he's literally in the lab making Frankenstein. I got size here. I got speed here. I got this here. I got that. And, you know, you, you, and the kind of dough they're spending and they get to cherry pick one of ten off all these teams, it's pretty remarkable what you can put together. And a lot of those names aren't household names. But the correlation would be all of those guys are like Taylor or like Stevenson, right? Stevenson's buried on the fourth line in Washington. He comes here. He ends up on the first line playing between Stone and Pacioretty. So now all these other guys that were third and fourth line guys elsewhere, they come here, they get more minutes, they get to play with better guys, and their careers move forward. Seattle, I thought, looked pretty good. Brian, I think it just goes to show that there's a lot more talent in this league than you ever get a chance to see regularly because there just only are so many opportunities, right? There are only so many chances to to be able to show what you can do, and the Seattle Kraken are probably going to be able to do some level of that uh, against uh, the Western Division this year. Um, we saw last night. Well, they got a goalie too. Yeah, I mean, they do. Grim hours for real. You can make the case this this will this will send people off the roads, but they could have had Price and spent the ten million. They saved the bunch of millions and get Grubauer and you can make the case at the time of their beginning they've got a Vesna finalist goaltender a young guy kind of in his prime Flurry, when when Vegas got him isn't that a nice story Mark Andre Flurry, guys won cups and everything. he really re-jump-started his career when he came here I mean nobody saw him you know having that resurgence and he ultimately wins a Vesna. I, I think Seattle's going about it the right way 
Yeah, uh, they certainly looked, especially early and then in the second period, there, there was some jump. There was some uh, some life in those legs. Um, there, in fact, Brian, there was so much life uh, in the third goal celebration that we got, we got a little unwritten rules kind of controversy last night, right? The Morgan Geeky uh, third goal and people getting getting their feelings all into it. And uh, what do you think of that whole situation uh, with the I 23-year-old? Did, I didn't see it at the time. And, you know... Hockey players, like and all sports, they love bulletin board stuff. And if you can find something to wrap your arms around and motivate you, so be it. But there is something about going over the top with your celebrations. You know, if you're if you got a big big lead, you know, you kind of call the dogs off. Like there's like a, an unwritten rule in, in hockey. Say you're up uh, seven three with with a power play with five minutes to go in the game. You're putting your third-line guys out there on the power play. You know what I mean? You're not trying to rub salt in the wound. So, yeah, he, he did the, strict twir- the uh, stick twirl right in their face. Good for them. They didn't like it and got them a bounce in their step, and um, Stevenson kicked them in the teeth, literally. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah, my, my thought was exactly the same, Brian. If you want some motivation, the motivation is that you just blew a 3 nothing lead. Like, that's plenty of motivation to go out there and get a goal. But, hey, if that's what it took for you to take offense uh, to that, then hey, whatever, so whatever it takes. But I will say this, Adam, at the end of the day, big deal. You, you, know, you got two points. You beat Seattle. It's 82 games. It's going to be a fun. It's fun. And good, good night out. Everybody had a great time. That being said, that's a big, big, big win for Robin Leonard because – you know how much Flurry was loved, and I think Leonard's going to lug the mail here, and he's going to be perfectly fine. But you know there's going to be a faction of fans that are going to hold him to maybe an unfair standard. And could you imagine right out of the gate, first game, Vegas loses a three-goal lead? I mean, that's at the end of the day, it's bigger than just two points against Seattle. That was a big win for Robin Leonard. Especially because... And you can think whatever you want about Robin Leonard's choice to be very uh, vocal and active on social media, but he was in the news the last couple of weeks for reasons that had very little to do with being the goaltender of the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, nobody cares about the preseason and all that nonsense. But, I mean, you know, out of the gate, there's that. But, I mean, he's, he's the guy following the guy. It's never easy being the guy following the guy. And I think his personality, I, I believe me, He's got a little me-against-the-world thing for him, which I think works, and it works for him. But he he didn't need to start hearing cat calls and stuff from people right out of the gate in game one. So, I mean, honestly, them getting that win, getting out of Dodge, was probably very big for the team and for him. You, you don't have to tell me about being the guy following the guy. You know who I'm filling in for today, right? Um, oh, yeah, but, yeah, where's Adam Hill? Oh, Adam Hill. No, you you want the God's honest truth about where Adam Hill is? Where, where Adam is Hill went. Adam Hill went to the wrong studio. Adam Hill went to now, the wrong that studio. Surprise me! And now we're trying to get him back. So there's the guy that needs the GPS bracelet. Right. We, start, we started the segment with the phone apps. You know, you're gonna have to attach a bracelet to him and a shot collar. I was yeah yeah I was gonna say because the ankle bracelet already we we, we know about that so the authorities are already on to Adam yeah, that is so Adam God, oh, God it's, it's actually just, something I would do but no but that that is definitely so Adam 
that that is just perfect <laughs> brian we appreciate it man always good to chop it up with you and talk a little hockey and uh we'll, we'll catch you next week hey adam ari you guys have a great day all right brian um this one you know djs like to throw a little dedication out there every now and then this next two minutes goes out to you adam hill we'll see you soon the crew over at finley toyota speak spanish thai and even persian in fact they speak 14 different languages Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.